Yo, this is the Ancient Texan. I've just started reading this book, When Things Fall Apart, Hard Advice for Difficult Times, Pima Kadron. It's a book, um, I might call it Buddha for Your Life, or Buddha Heart. I heard uh, the podcast on Bean talking about this book and reading sections out of it. And I was so impressed I bought the book. I'm going to spend some time uh, going through this book and kind of discussing the individual uh, chapters. Get you a copy. Join along. Send me comments at Wiley, period, foxes, and gmail.com. Thanks. Talk to you later. Ancient Texan. Namaste. Yo, this is the Ancient Texan. We're going through a book called When Everything Falls Apart. And today we're going through a chapter about not causing harm. It's a transformative experience to simply pause instead of immediately filling up the space. By waiting, we begin to connect with fundamental restlessness as well as fundamental spaciousness. What makes me think about this is a I used to have a friend Song Quim from China um, traveled a lot with her um, spent the night at her house quite a bit and she pointed out that Americans which was a polite way of pointing out that she was talking about me was that we were uncomfortable with silence and we had to fill the space with talking. When I was with her and we were riding along in a car and I've been babbling for hours and then I quit talking and then the silence was there. There was a certain anxiety with that silence. And I, like many Americans, filled that space with talking. Now there's some more examples I think will become obvious as we go through this chapter. But uh, perhaps that gives you a little hint of what we're talking about. Not causing harm obviously includes not killing or robbing or lying to people. It also includes not being aggressive, not being aggressive with our actions, our speech, or our minds. Learning not to cause harm to ourselves or others is a basic Buddhist teaching on the healing power of non-aggression. Whoa, I once bragged to my daughter that it had been a year since, my daughter that's a therapist, been a year since uh, I'd been angry at anyone. And she asked, does that count Comcast? Whoa, perhaps I didn't think of them as people. That annoying voice on the other end of the line asking me to do things that were ridiculous, that I had done a hundred times before I called them. 
all ready to get my internet online. Uh, making me go through a drill that I knew was ridiculous and that didn't address the fact that the internet to my house was out. This is how there could be a sane world. It starts with sane citizens, and that is us. The most fundamental aggression to ourselves, the most fundamental harm we can do to ourselves is to remain ignorant by not having the courage and the respect to look at ourselves honestly and gently. Think about when you return something to a retail store and they don't want to take it back or frustration you feel when you think someone has screwed you and they may have and it may be justified but I think often we just go there aggressive is the fallback is the normal position it's not the fallback the ground of not causing harm is mindfulness a sense of clear seeing with respect and compassion for what it is we see. This is what basic practice shows us, but mindfulness does not stop with formal meditation. It helps us relate with all the details of our life. It helps us see and hear and smell without closing our eyes, our ears, or our noses. It's a lifetime journey to relate honestly to the immediacy of our experience and to respect ourselves enough not to judge it. See it without judging it. Wow. That's not me. I'm working on it and I understand it now and I at least see when I don't do that. As we become more wholehearted in this journey of gentle honesty, it comes as quite a shock to realize how much we've blinded ourselves to some of the ways in which we cause harm. Our style is so ingrained that we can't hear when people try to tell us, either kindly or rudely, that maybe we're causing some harm by the way we are on the way we relate with others. Bungalow, quiet. Ah. I'm going to be aggressive toward you, bungalow. That's what I'm trying to talk about not doing. Well, this wasn't an intended example, but I wanted to yell at him quite loudly. I'm also going to get away from the water pond and see if uh, it might be a little too noisy. Our style is so ingrained in us that we cannot hear when people try to tell us, either kindly or rudely, that maybe we're causing some harm by the way we are or the way we relate with others. We become so used to the way we do things that somehow we think that others are used to it too. There's a certain amount of gruffness that I have, especially when I'm tired, grumpy old man, and... I'm used to it, so other people ought to be used to it too. 
It's painful to face how we harm others, and it takes a while. It's a journey that happens because of our commitment to gentleness and honesty, our commitment to staying awake, to being mindful. Because of mindfulness, we see our desires and our aggression, our jealousies and our ignorance. We don't act on them, we just see them. Without mindfulness, we don't see them. Whoa, if anybody that's practiced meditation knows that our brain generates thoughts, feelings, ideas, words constantly, and that to get it to be quiet is a, takes a extreme master. I've got to the point that I can slow my thoughts down and get quite a bit of quietness and I see now what my brain's doing and I see myself more than I used to. Long way to go. So, what is the next step after we see what we're doing? We see that we're being aggressive, grumpy, rude, whatever our behavior is that is maybe not so tolerable to other people and kind of violates the being gentle. The next step is refraining. Mindfulness is the ground. Refraining is a path. Refraining is one of those uptight words that sounds repressive. Surely alive, juicy, interesting people would not practice refraining. Maybe they would sometimes refrain, but not as a lifestyle. In this context, however, refraining is much the method of becoming a de-harmic person. I looked that up. It's someone that follows the path of Buddha. It's the quality of not grabbing for entertainment the minute we feel a slight edge of boredom coming in. It's a practice of not immediately filling up the space just because there's a gap. When I rode along with Song Quinn and we both were quiet, my urge to fill up silence Noticing how we try to avoid it is a way of is a way to get in touch with basic groundlessness. How we avoid uneasiness, anxiety, all those ways. And to be with it is a way to feel your groundlessness. Refraining, not habitually acting out impulsively has something to do with giving up entertainment mentality. Through refraining, we see that there's something between the arising of the craving or the aggression or the kindness or whatever might be and whatever action we take as a result. There's something there in us that we don't want to experience 
and we never do experience because we're so quick to act. Ah, people used to give that advice about anger, you know, count to three before you say something when you're angry. Well, probably even before you get angry, before you feel anything, if you have that built-in habit of refraining, pausing, seeing the situation before you do something, before you say something. Most of the time with me is saying something or barking back. I do not find that easy. And especially if someone is saying something aggressive toward me I've kind of taken it as a matter of pride how quickly I bark back at them and no one messes with me type thing. I have a t-shirt that says, don't, don't mess with Texas. I'm a Texan, by the way. Uh, so to go from that kind of point of pride that I've had all my life of being quick to respond to defend my turf, my honor, is another way of looking at life, of refraining and letting uh, a moment pass to see what's happening and to choose an action. The next step is refraining. Mindfulness is the ground, refraining is the path. Underneath our ordinary lives, underneath all the talking we do, all the moving we do, all the thoughts in our mind, there's a fundamental groundlessness. It's there bubbling, bubbling along all the time. We experience it, experience it, as restless and edginess. We experience it as fear. It motivates passion, aggression, ignorance, jealousy, and pride. But we never get down to the essence of it. That's obvious as hell to me. Refraining is a method for getting to know the nature of this restlessness and fear. It's a method for settling into groundlessness if we immediately entertain ourselves by talking, by acting, by thinking, or I might add drinking some wine, if there's never any pause, we will never be able to relax. We will always be speeding through our lives. Wow. Refraining is a way of making friends with ourselves at the most profound level possible. We can begin to relate with what's underneath all the bubbles and burps and farts, all the stuff that comes out and expresses itself as uptight, controlling, manipulative behavior or whatever it is. Underneath all that, there is something very soft, very tender, that we experience as fear or edginess. Wow. So, underneath my aggression and 
defending my turf. There's probably a layer of fear that drives that. But underneath that is something very soft, very tender that we normally only experience as edginess or fear. Oh. Um, then there's a story about someone, a student warrior being sent out to defeat fear. Um, there's a long story, but I'll cut it. The young warrior said, how can I defeat you? Fear replied, my weapons are that I talk fast and I get very close to your face. Then when you get completely unnerved and you do whatever I say, then you get completely unnerved and you do whatever I say. If you don't do what I tell you, I have no power. You can listen to me and you can have respect for me. Me being fear. You can even con be convinced by me. But if you don't do what I say, I have no power. And that way the student warrior learned how to, to defeat fear. This is how it actually works. There has to be some kind of respect for the jitters, some understanding of how our emotions have the power to run us around in circles. That understanding help us, helps us to discover how we increase our pain, how we increase our confusion, how we cause harm to ourselves, all by doing that impulsive behavior in response to those feelings of discomfort. Because we have a basic goodness, a basic wisdom, basic intelligence, we can stop harming ourselves and harming others. Because of mindfulness, we see things when they arise. Because of our understanding, we don't buy into chain reaction that makes us grow from minute to expansive. We leave things minute, they stay tiny. What she's saying here is instead of taking something that would be a small bit of discomfort and anxiety and blowing it up into something much bigger because of our impulsive reaction, we learn through mindfulness to see what we're doing. And then by understanding this chain of reaction, um, we're able to stay and refrain for a moment and not let the little grow into something big. It's a transformative experience to simply pause instead of immediately filling up the space. By waiting, we begin to connect with fundamental restlessness as well as fundamental spaciousness. Getting the habit of refraining lets You see your restlessness and understand it 
and understand the whole chain. As well as the potential for more spaciousness, openness, uh, gentleness. This process connects us with the fruition of not causing harm. Fundamental well-being of our body, speech, and mind. Well-being of body is like a mountain. A lot happens on a mountain. Well-being of speech is like a lute without strings. Even without strings, the musical instrument proclaims itself. It is the image of our speech being settled. It doesn't mean that we're controlling uptight, trying hard not to say the wrong thing. It means that our speech is straightforward and disciplined. We don't start blurting out words just because no one else is talking and we're nervous. We don't chatter away like magpies and crows. We've heard it all. We've been insulted and we've been praised. We know that it we know what it is to be in a situation where everyone is angry, where everyone is peaceful. We're at home in the world because we're at home with ourselves. So we don't feel that out of nervousness, out of a habitual pattern, we have to run at the mouth. Our speech is tamed, and when we speak, it communicates. We don't waste the gift of speech in expressing our neurosis. Wow, I've always kind of admired people that are quiet and speak a few words and uh, count speech as kind of a blessing to be used uh, properly. Well-being of mind is like a mountain lake without ripples. When the lake has no ripples, everything in the lake can be seen. When the water's all churned up, nothing can be seen. The still lake without ripples is an image of our mind at ease, so full of unlimited friendliness for all the junk at the bottom of the lake that we don't feel the need to churn up the waters just to avoid looking at what's there. I think that speaks for itself. Not causing harm requires staying awake. Part of being awake is slowing down enough to notice what we say and do. The more we witness our emotional chain reactions and understand how they work, the easier it is to refrain. It becomes a way of life to stay awake, slow down, and notice. That's where I'd like to go. I don't know if any of you listening would like to go there, but I would. At the root of all harm we cause is ignorance. Through meditation, that's what we begin to undo. As the moments of our life go by, our ability to be deaf, dumb, and blind just doesn't work so well anymore. Rather than making us more uptight, interestingly enough, this process liberates us. This is the liberation that naturally arises when we are completely here without anxiety about imperfection. Wow, this is talking 
about how you could be and the path to get there. Seeing things, being able to slow down enough to see them and understand that, that impulsive reactions can cause a lot of harm. Learning to use your words wisely and sparingly and having the commitment to be gentle, honest, kind. Ah, it's about time this old ancient Texan tried to go down that road. I'm going to do my best and hope you all got something out of thinking through this with me. Of course I do most of this for myself and trying to be a better person. And even though I don't know if anybody's listening on any one talk or how many people will listen. I don't think it really matters. If there's one out there and he's relating and enjoying it. If there's none out there, I'm still learning in this process. Uh, but it also kind of feels cool to me that 85% of the people that listen to this podcast are from the States. 6% are usually from Ireland and 2% from Canada, 1% from Great Britain, less than 1% to a bunch of other countries. That's cool to me that people, even though there's not a lot of people drop in and listen, I appreciate it. If you're in one of the podcasts that you can send me a little voice message, that would like really make my day. Anyway, this is the ancient Texan hoping uh, there's a few people out there on the same journey I'm on trying to be a better person and that I have some interest in understanding uh, what Buddha Buddhism is all about and taking the parts that make your life and, uh, and the world better. Anyway, have a good one. This is the ancient Texan. Namaste.